Hello, and after a brief break, we are back talking about Ulster once again. So, just before the Six Nations break, Ulster played the Stormers in a very convincing win. We'll be talking about the game and how it shaped up, as well as what happened around the other grounds, as per usual. And we talk about the first week's games in the Six Nations. So, before we get into this, remember to like us and follow us on Instagram. We have also just made a TikTok. We'll be posting things on there as well. Uh, as well as a new Twitch for gaming and hopefully going to be streaming the podcast on there uh, at some point. And we're always on the Instagram uh, putting updates on Ulster, Ireland and everything in between. So give us a follow on them and like we poster to we're always there they engage and happy to get involved with you guys so you can also find the podcast on soundcloud spotify and amazon music give us a follow on them platforms as well and we listen as per usual without further ado let's get into this week's podcast so ulster won the game uh, last week, 35-5 the five against the Stormers. A very convincing win in my eyes. Lewis, what were your opinions on the match? Yeah, Jimmy, um, really impressive match. We were both at the game and it was a very enjoyable evening, I have to say. Um, Ulster have started the game far better than in previous weeks, including against Sale, where we talked about last week how they had a poor start early on. Um, so it was good to see them start a game with a fast tempo and they looked back to themselves a lot more. Um, I just thought that players were stand- standing up and finally looking back to their best. For me, the most impressive of the bunch would have included Vermeulen, Tamanga Allen, Laurie, and both centres, Hume and uh, Stuart Moore, were both excellent, I thought. Um, Stormers obviously were badly impacted by their injuries early on. So it was a tough game for them. They did also come over to Belfast with a slightly weaker squad than they would have hoped for. However, the only important thing really was that Ulster got the five points and sort of got out of that bad run of form they've been in, got their season back on track. And for me, it really looks like they're doing that now. Like we say, that that fast start really sort of benefited Ulster. Um, First try was a really good snipe by Doak after some really nice build-up play. Nathan Doak looking much better at the moment and obviously getting the starts over Cooney because they want their at the moment it seems Dan McFarland wants his best players on the bench to make sure they're finishing games out like they haven't been recently. So I thought Doak had a really, really good game though. Good to see him get a wee try. I think he deserved it. Um second try, also very impressive. Good hands from Stuart Moore, got it out wide for Ben Moxham. Um, I thought a few of Ulster's tries on that night was a lot more expansive than we've been seeing recently. So good to see Ben Moxham get his first Ulster try as well. And then obviously Timoney just before half time to make it 21-0. And you know that just finished a really strong second half for Ulster. And you know that's exactly what you need. 21-0 up at half time. Ulster in full control of the game. And... Um, you know that's exactly the way you want to be going into half time it gives you good confidence and makes sure you're motivated coming out for the second half 
Um, and then of course the second half starts and straight away the Stormers get a yellow card. So that allows Ulster to start strong in the second half. And the first try after the second half was my moment of the match I'd have to say. To Mangalan after a really good break from Hume. And to see him celebrate before he got to the line. <laughs> um, I think it just lifted the entire crowd. And um, it was probably my moment of the match. I thought it was it was brilliant. Um, and then we got another expansive try a bit later on. It was really good hands again out wide. Good run down the wing from Moxham. I think it was actually Moxham's best game I've seen in an Ulster shirt from him. He looked a lot more composed. He was a lot better on the ball and he was strong defensively as well. So it was great to see him sort of taking his opportunity well. And that obviously led to Laurie's pace being too much for the Stormers defence. So good to see Laurie looking back to his best as well. I'd say the only disappointment from the match for Ulster was that they weren't able to nil the Stormers. You know that late late try from them allowed them to get the five points. And not that it makes any real difference, to be honest. A bonus point win got five points out of the game. Didn't allow Stormers any points. However, I think um, they'll have been kicking themselves that they did allow Stormers to get over their line. However, like I say, five points, most important thing. And a really solid win. I completely agree with you on the team's performance. You know, this is the first time, basically the whole season, that we've actually played as a team. Because we've said it so many times on the podcast, you know, you're going into the game and you're watching it and you've seen individual performances. I think this is the first time where you've seen everybody get stuck in and really try for the win. And especially to go for this kind of result against the team that it is. Yes, they had the sicknesses, and you know I think that that did impact them as well as the two early injuries. Um, they really impacted them because you've seen their forward play just drop. Really, once their hooker, uh, I think it was, ended up having to go off after the first two minutes from a head clash. Um, but Ulster really took that in their stride and and worked as a team and I think that the young lads coming in I think that that really helped it um you know people that you haven't seen uh play too much for Ulster the likes of Ben Moxham and Harry Sheridan like whenever I was watching we were sitting in uh the stands and I was saying the least uh Harry Sheridan whenever he got in the ruck he just started swinging at people and hitting them on the back and just getting really ferocious and fired up and it, it's that fire that I don't think that we've seen in Ulster this season and the young lads coming in and you know being a bit reckless and really charging into things I think that that almost influenced uh, the starters like the first uh, team players to take that and, and use it themselves and go a bit more physical and really drive it. The physical play was great. Um, you know, big hard tackles from forwards and backs alike. Uh, there's some really crucial, crucial tackles that the backs have made, and it caused a breakdown for Stormers. And uh, once again, Ulster were able to drive on from that. 
less penalties for me, which is a massive um, bonus that you can take from the game. You know, less penalties, less turnovers. It's something that we've been struggling with the past while is the discipline and the habit knocked down the sort of what you would see other teams going on for penalties. Uh, it's definitely a big change. Hopefully one that does stick whenever we're back playing. Something else that we hadn't seen until this game was clean breaks. I think that this is probably the most clean breaks that we've had this season in this game. Uh, it was 14 in total throughout the whole match. And that's because the backs were actually getting the ball. They were given uh, plays to do and they were able to break through the Stormers line and and have good charges. You've seen it on several occasions um, with the wingers and with Laurie coming up from fullback, which is a complete change of pace for, for Ulster at the minute. They actually use the backs, get the breaks. But that doesn't take away from the forwards, like I was saying. Uh, Dwayne Vermeulen is my man of the match in that. I think he drove the whole team and his leadership is showing why he's the best eight in the world, really. Um, his stamina, his tackles, his carries were all phenomenal throughout the whole match. And he really brought the forwards together in my opinion I think he's the one who's really driving that pack you know saying Dwayne Vermeulen's my, my man of the match not taken away from probably the people's champ uh, Jeff to uh, Jeff to Manga Allen you know he he's the goat at the minute I think for for most people he, he thinks he's playing American football never mind rugby with his celebration before his try Um, he played amazing as well I think he hardly put a foot wrong anytime I seen him he was getting stuck in and really just playing the physical game which is why I love to see from from the forwards like I was saying the clean breaks that were coming in the backs having great runs and their tackling amazing uh I think that Ben Moxham had a really good game uh there was definitely a good few times you seen the ball get out to him on the wing and, and he was running like crazy getting the yards and I'm glad that he got a try for it as well as Rob Little both of the wingers were playing great um Rob Little he, he didn't get in in the end um but he definitely drew the team up the pitch a number of times with his runs and uh his returning was was amazing to get there the only complaint for the backs that I really have is Billy Burns kicks um, we were sort of standing and and saying you know I oh, could have kicked that further and I think it happened nearly every kick and then you see the Stormers get a kick and it, it went sort of 10-15 yards more uh, than what Billy Burns was kicking and that's the only you know it's not a big complaint you know the conversions were made it was just the penalty kicks there was times where you could have had a line out uh at the five meter but it was at the 10 and things like that but at the end of the day it's it's not a big thing and it's not something that would really hold against them because overall it was an amazing 
performance. Yeah, I have to agree with you on Billy's kicks. Like you say, we were sort of chatting about it at the game. And, like, it's not a big thing at a game like this where you're already 21-0 up or whatever. But you just think against those big teams when it's such a tight game. And those extra yards, those extra metres make a big difference to the forwards in terms of when they're going in for a line-out mole. So I think it's something that he probably needs to work on. It's been something in his game that I've sort of noticed since he joined Ulster. His kicks to touch aren't really as far as previous out-halves we've had or whoever has been. One man I was really impressed with when he was kicking to, to-, to touch when he was filling in at out-half would have been Nathan Doak. I thought his kicks to touch were superb. He was getting a lot of distance on them and he was really, really going for them. So I, I don't know if it's a bit of nerve from that Six Nations game Billy played when he kicked it out dead um, on Ireland's last chance to go up the field and win the game. Um, you know, that that's maybe put a little bit of sort of care into his kicks to touch and maybe he's being a little bit more careful to make sure the ball's always going out. But, yeah, like you say, that would probably be my only complaint about the back line as well. Um, like you, I was I was really impressed with the clean breaks and the attacking style, really, of Ulster. Um, obviously, I've been quite critical of the amount of times that Ulster refusing to go wide, maybe kicking the ball away when they don't need to, going through the forwards when the space. And I thought they were much better at managing that this week. Um, constantly getting the ball wide, constantly looked dangerous. Stuart Moore making line breaks, I thought he was really impressive at 12. He's been all over the pitch for Ulster this year. He's played fullback, he's played 13, he's played 12. So um, he's shown his flexibility and he, I thought he was really impressive at 12. Um, Hume made a lot of line breaks. Laurie looked really dangerous on the ball. I, th- I think the whole team, like you say, the two wingers as well, Rob Little and Ben Moxham, the whole back line just worked really well and they looked a lot more expansive than they have done in recent weeks. So hopefully that'll continue as sort of the, the first name stars come back in when we get the likes of McCluskey back, when Rob Balakun's back from injury. Fingers crossed we'll be able to carry that into the next rounds of fixtures. Like you say as well, I think the young guys coming in were a breath of fresh air, the likes of Harry Sheridan. And Ben Moxham, I thought they really took their opportunities. And, you know, when there's players out injured and players away at the Six Nations, it's it's their place to lose at that point. They, you know, they deserve to keep their place until someone comes in and takes it off them. So, um, yeah, really impressed with them. Um, really impressed with the penalty count as well. It was um, much better than previous weeks. We were a lot more disciplined. And we can finally say we didn't have a yellow card. So we've, we've got there eventually, Jimmy. Um, no, no yellow card, no red card. So hopefully that'll continue for a while. And like I say, I'm really liking this idea from Dan McFarland to use the bigger players on the bench. I think the impact we're getting from having guys like Rory Sutherland, Kieran Treadwell, Jordy Murphy, Cooney. I think having those guys in the bench is just... It's really lifting the team when they come on in the second half and it's just improving us and making us better. Granted, we're not going to be able to do that for the big games. We need our best players starting, but I think at the moment it's probably the best way to get us back into form. And um, Yeah, I've been really impressed with how the coaches have managed it. So just before you're talking about the bench there, you were saying about um, 
No, no yellow cards or no red cards. Stormers did get a yellow card and a uh, bit of a controversial one. I know some people were saying should be a red card and there were other calls from the ref that seemed to be a bit um um that seemed to be a bit controversial uh especially the the two tries that Ulster could have had um the Rob Little one which was seen as a knock on even though in my opinion he's the one who caught it he, he juggles it it doesn't go anywhere or actually really leave his grasp the ball was held up uh, the other side a few minutes later early on which the ref called early for a try and then got turned over uh, by TMO so what were your, what was your thinking on the ref during the game and especially them big calls that happened? Yeah in terms of the ref I did think there was some strange calls I think most Ulster fans know of Mike Adamson for um, poorer reasons than he would have hoped but um, yeah I think there were some strange decisions the yellow card one I think he got right um, I think it was more of a seatbelt tackle than um, than sort of forceful tackle I don't think there was enough force in it to warrant it being a red card it could have went either way really but for me I think it was definitely a yellow card the Rob Little try is the one I think probably should have been given out of the two. I, th- I For me, I don't really see an issue with it, to be honest. I know he's he's sort of juggled the ball, but he hasn't really lost it forward. So I, I think for me, that one should have been given. The other try, I believe, I can't remember who it was, but someone was in front blocking the tackler, which I think was the reason that one wasn't given. And... That one was fair enough call from the ref as well. So, realistically, a few wee tweaks and Ulster could have had two more and you would have been talking about an absolute runaway of a game. So, um, it just shows how much better Ulster were playing than the Stormers in this game. And, yeah, for me, the, the referee was okay. I've seen him had worse games. I've seen him had better games. But, you know, it... In the end, it didn't really matter for the end result. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You know, we didn't actually need them calls to win the game. It, it would have just been a, a bolster. And I definitely agree with you. You know, Nathan Doak doesn't lose control of that ball. So for me, the try should have stood. You know, it he juggles, pass, or juggles, collector runs around the other side and sticks down, you know, the yellow card, I I said then, it's a yellow, um. But there was definitely there was debate where we were standing, whether it should have been a red or a yellow, um. But for me, he's, he's making an effort at least, uh. They actually try and tackle. I think it's just awkward the way that they've connected. Uh, he hasn't got his positioning right on it. For. The other try that got disallowed, I don't think that there's much that can happen, if that makes sense, in the term of the block. Um, I think it was from a mall, and then whoever it was that blocked got dragged out, because he stumbled a bit, uh, if I'm remembering it right anyway. Uh, I think he stumbles out, and then that's how he blocks. So there's not much that he can really do about it but 
it is the right decision by the law. Um, but it would have been nice for for that other try. Um, because I think it's one that probably could have got given as well. But really, it it shouldn't have. Um, but definitely the Nathan Doak try should have got given. What would you say your opinion of the referee overall was, Jimmy? Did you think there were some strange decisions in there as well? I think for the most part, over the course of the game, he was good. Well, he was okay. Um, you know, there wasn't much from either team that really had to get involved in. I think it was more just... Uh, for both teams, sometimes it took a bit long for them to let go of the ball in a ruck. Uh, things like that, but I wouldn't really... You know, you want the flow of the game to continue and you shouldn't really blow up on every single one of them. Um, but there wasn't much... There wasn't a lack of discipline from the players that warranted the ref getting involved too much. And I think that's probably what's saved them from having a bad game, really. I think if he had to make more calls and had to get more involved, you know, it it might have, uh, it might have impacted on how the game was viewed. But I think it was a really clean game that the ref didn't really have to get involved in. I think the the calls that we talked about, I think they're only getting talked about because there was so little for him to do, and it's just happen that it, it is quite big calls that he's ended up um getting wrong in some of the cases and getting right in the others but still sort of upsetting fans a bit yeah i probably agree with most of that jimmy but i think as we said at the start most important thing they got the five points and um kept their position got back up to third in the league table um now that we seem back on track and back up to third uh, Stormers have a game in point. We're only seven point or a game in hand. Sorry, we're only seven points behind them. Do you think that main focus for Ulster now is to push on and get that second place to ensure a home quarter final and a home semi final? Definitely, Ulster's main push to get to that second place. And you know there aren't that many games left, but if we can shock the Stormers that much and have such a wide margin, I do see potentially them dropping points elsewhere. Um, we don't have easy games by any stretch of the mile, you know, it's good teams that we're coming up against, but as long as we carry the momentum and actually do something positive from them games and, and get wins, I think it's something that we could chase. Like, the Stormers, they still have injuries. Um, whenever we come back into the league, I believe. Um, and I'm not sure how long-term or short-term the ones that got on the the pitch last week against us. Uh, don't know how long they are. But they have, you know, they've still to play the Bills. Um big game against Leinster and Munster who you've been uh, coming up since the last international break um, they've had that decent run of form and they have been doing well so it, it depends how they 
play for us to catch them, you know, especially with that game in hand. Uh, they can, especially with that game in hand, um, we can potentially close that gap even further on them. You know, we can go within three points with just a win uh, if we beat the Bills, and then if we can keep the momentum going and put in really good shifts in the remaining games I, I could definitely see a second place on the cards what about yourself Lewis what are you thinking about the table at the minute for Ulster yeah I think it's looking pretty good at the moment when you look at who Stormers have to play like you said they have to play the Sharks they have to go away to Leinster they have to go away to Munster and you know their two games um you know, it's it's obviously the one of the most difficult places to go to go to Leinster, as we'll maybe find out in the last sixteen game of the Heineken Cup. But you know that that's a game you probably wouldn't expect them to win. Away to Munster, Munster are back on form at the moment. Another tough game that you know you you wouldn't really know who's going to win that one. I I'd probably have my money on Munster with the way they're playing at the moment. So. As they've got tough games, like you say, we've got some tough ones. We've, I think it's three away games in a row here now. We've to play um, Glasgow, the Sharks, and Cardiff all away in our next three games uh, before back home against the Bulls. So we've we've a really tough run of fixtures as well, and those three away games for me are going to be crucial, especially that Sharks game, which is our game in hand, obviously, from the re- it being the rearranged fixture. And I don't think the Sharks will have their South African internationals available. They have some injury worries as well. So that Sharks game is going to be really key. Um, and yeah, it's, I think it's just really important that Ulster just stick to it. Take each game one at a time. And, you know, try and keep themselves right up there in the table. Give themselves every opportunity to get that second place. Because... I mean, we know from last year that Ulster had to go away to the Stormers in the semi-final, and that was that was, of course, ended up being their undoing. So fingers crossed, we can get that home quarter, home semi, and that'll lead us the whole way to the final. I think it's important we don't get too ahead of ourselves as well. We're on forty-three points in third. Glasgow are on thirty-nine points in fifth, and they've played the same amount of games as us. So a loss to Glasgow in our next outing could see a massive drop in the table as well so it's that tight at the top it's just really important that Ulster continue to win games and get bonus points picked up as they can get the bonus points out of the games that they would be expected to and you know just try and get as many points on the board as possible we have important games in the league but we also have important games in the cup so if you're Dan McFarland and you see how close Ulster are the second place and potentially a good run in that case um, are you prioritising one over the other? Are you thinking you know we'll have really tough opposition away in the cup in Leinster um, they would try in that and then if you win it you're through the another tough game against potentially Leicester or Edinburgh um, or do you put your full focus in the league and make sure you get that second place which gets you the home advantage in your playoff games 
I'm not too sure to be honest. I think it's a really tough one to answer because realistically some of your big players who were away at the Six Nations are going to get a break in between coming back from the Six Nations and coming back to play for Ulster. So they should get a bit of a break. Our game before that Heineken Cup last 16 game against Leinster is the Bulls at home in the league on the 25th of March. And to be honest, I think that's probably the perfect tester for Dan McFarland. I would say he's going to go full strength in that game. Um, see how they go against the Bulls. And, of course, depending on how that goes, will probably influence his team selection for the week after. So, I think coming up to that game, I think he's going to be at full strength. Maybe that... W- Maybe that game before... Well, not even. The game before is against Cardiff away on the 4th of March. So you have a gap between the 4th of March and the 25th of March before Ulster play again. And the week after that, they're straight into the last 16. So I think the players there will get enough of a rest to allow Dan McFarlane to go for a full-strength team at that point in both games. So I don't think he'll have a specific focus on one game or the other. He hasn't seemed to have done that in the past. So for me, I think he'll be going full strength um, up until that Leinster game in the league. And full strength in that Leinster game in the Heineken Cup as well. Um, The guys then have another week off before another home game against the Dragons. So whether he rests a few players for that home Dragons game, which everyone would expect Ulster to win. And most would expect them to get a bonus point out of that game as well, even with some of the frontliners missing you would hope that they can get five points out of that game anyway so i think if there's a place to rest a few players it would probably be that one the dragons game and obviously it's just a waiting game to see what happens in the last 16 heineken cup game to see if we're gonna have um a quarter final to worry about i think the quarter final is played actually the weekend after the last 16 game so that could cause a bit of disruption with his team selections. Obviously, he'd want to if he gets through to the quarter final. He'd want to go full strength in that as well. Um. So again, probably the Dragons game. I would say would be the area for resting players. But I think he'll be going a hundred percent for both competitions. I don't think he'll be pri- prioritizing one or the other. Just a quick one for you, Jimmy. Is there is there a competition you would prioritise? Would you rather see Ulster win the Heineken Cup or just go for the league? The Cup is bigger in a sense in the in that it's you know, it's all the best teams um facing each other. But for me I always think League is a better win because you're showing consistency in it. Um but I think that if you can manage it well, you you could do both. And for me, that's what he should do. I don't think that there should be a priority on one over the other. You know, whenever you do look at our next games, they are definitely winnable. And I think that there's a long enough break in between uh, the Bulls game and the Dragons game with the Leinster. Um game that you can focus on each game as it comes rather than thinking oh there's a cup match coming up do you focus on it do you focus on the league that we'll have after and before um 
so for me there's a big enough break in it in between the games that I think you can take it game by game and not have to prioritise one over the other. Well the final game of the Six Nations for Ireland is England on the 18th of March so just looking at that actually it's most likely that the Ireland stars won't be available for that Bulls game at home on the 25th of March so it's actually probably going to be that week that those guys get a rest and um, they will be back for the Heineken Cup game. The The Heineken Cup wouldn't allow um, the guys to not be available in terms of the time slots from the start of the season. You know, they want the best players playing in the Cup. So that'll probably be the week you see the Irish internationals returning. And I think we talked about it last week that that's actually going to be quite handy for Ulster in terms of coming up against Leinster. Because Ulster really only have five or six players to integrate back in to the team at this point. Whereas Leinster are near enough going to be changing their entire 15 in terms of getting players back in for that Heineken Cup game. And, you know, that's not easy to do, to change your entire 15 for a last 16 Heineken Cup game. They're they're probably going to struggle with that in terms of getting fluidity in the game and stuff. So I think that's a big advantage for Ulster. You know, they'll, they want to have their key players playing well in that Bulls game and then bring some of the big guns back in for the Leinster game and hopefully they can slot in easily and that'll give them an advantage down at the Aviva. So just before we move on, I have one final question for you um, about Johnny Bell, the Ulster defence coach. We've been quite critical of him during the slump in form that Ulster had had uh, but now they seem to be on the rise and especially defensively they've only conceded 23 points in total in the last three games um, with two wins in a row that have been quite good defensively um, as well as the La Rochelle game which was a one try game um, and, and we praise the defence in it so do you think that he's took on that criticism and changed things about and is it for the better or is this just the Ulster players playing well and you're seeing an improvement across the field or do you think it's tactically? I definitely think a tor- uh, corner's been turned to be honest. Um, like you say, only conceded seven against La Rochelle. Um, yes, it was disappointing not to get the win. However, it was a 80-plus minute try to give away. And defensively, I thought they were really good all game. Um, home the next week against Sale. Again, really strong defensively. And, of course, against Stormers. Now, we also need to take into consideration the opposition in some of those. You know That was nowhere near a full-strength Stormers side. Um, however, the other two games against Sale and La Rochelle... Um, you know, they were playing top, top, full-strength sides and they defended really well. So I think at the moment we can probably say a corner has been turned. It's just whether they can keep that up. And realistically, the proof's going to be in the pudding coming up against these big teams in the next few weeks. Can they keep this defensive record going? Can they keep their discipline better? Because discipline obviously helps so much with your defence and... Um, not going down to 14 men constantly um, makes it a lot easier to defend so if 
it sort of goes hand in hand. If we can keep our discipline better, like it has been in the last few weeks, I think the defence is going to sort of take care of itself in a way. We have the players to be able to do it, and um, we've seen them do it before under Jared Payne. We've seen it. We've seen them do it a few times under Johnny Bell as well. So, yeah, I think I think a corner has been turned. But for me, I think we've actually seen improvements all around the pitch. Like we've talked about, their attacks been better. Um, they haven't just been going to the mall constantly. They've been more fluid in attack, more fluid in defence. I think we talked about it at the game that their line speed looked a lot quicker in defence uh, against the Stormers. So you c- you can definitely see wee tweaks in their defensive shape. And yeah, I think I think defensively. They have turned a corner and fingers crossed it'll stay like that for the rest of the season. Now it's time to have a look at the other games from the URC last weekend. So starting off with Friday night, we saw the Ulster game and where they won 35-5. Um, also on Friday night, the Scarlets took the Bulls down, which was probably the most surprising of the weekend. They won that one 37 points to 28, a bonus point win for them. Benetton played Munster in Italy and they just went down to them 30 points to 40. Another high scoring game. The Dragons hosted Glasgow where Glasgow dominated winning that one 42 points to 28. Uh, Leinster played Cardiff at the RDS. They won that one 38 points to 14. Edinburgh and Selsey Sharks had a tight affair in Scotland. Edinburgh just losing that one, 19 points to 22. Connacht with a convincing win over the Lions, winning that one, 43 points to 24. And finally, it was a tight affair in Italy for Zebre. They just lost to the Ospreys, 24 points to 28. Time to have a look at the action that happened in the first round of the Six Nations that happened over the weekend. So had a very convincing win and full performance from Ireland beating Wales 34-10 to get a bonus point win in the first round. So Lewis, what do you think about Ireland's performance? Fiaster uh, players were getting into the team and making uh, a name for themselves once again. So what were your thoughts on both the players and the match overall? Yeah, really, really impressive. Um, just what you really expected from Ireland, um, who have been doing so well recently. Uh, bonus point win on the opening day, which was the most important thing. I think a lot of people probably seen this game as a bit of a slipping stone with them going away in round one, which is never an easy task, especially going to Wales. So I think everyone will be really impressed by this victory. Um, Ireland were absolutely dominant in that first half. Um I thought Doris was super at number eight. Um, it was a great intercept from James Lowe as well for his try. Took it, took it brilliantly. I thought there were a good few players who stood out. I thought McCluskey was super. He showed his, he showed his strengths really well. He, he he made a really really good long pass at one point in the game that was quite memorable. Um, showed his physicality from twelve. I thought him and Gary Ringrose were a really good centre partnership. You know, Gary doing sort of the special stuff and uh, Big Stu sort of putting in the work rate and showing his strength really well. I thought Connor Murray was super as well, coming in late for Gibson Park after an injury. I think a lot of people were worried when they knew that 
Gibson Park was going to be out. We knew Tag Furlong wasn't going to be available yet. Uh, Kane Healy was ruled out late. And yet Ireland were still able to show their physicality. The likes of Finlay Beelham coming in, I thought he was super. James Ryan had a really strong game. Um, it, it was really hard to fault any other players, really. Um, Hugo Keenan, as well, has to be um, an honourable mention. Um, especially for that get back for the Wales kick through to be able to stop them from scoring early on. So, yeah, overall, really impressive. What about yourself, Jimmy? Well, I'll say you could definitely tell there's a lot of Leinster players in that team. Very physical and really pushed in uh, on the tackles and very strong physical play. You know, it's something that you've seen from uh, Leinster constantly this season. And I think it's rubbed off on that Ireland team. Uh, as for the Ulster players, uh, I completely agree with you that centre partnership um, was great. And, you know, it's something that you don't always see um, to rival club players working like that so well but I really I think that they did and um, it gave Ireland that edge probably that got them such a convincing win um, the overall team you know their performance you can't really fault it too much I think there were a few cases where they might have overcrowded and uh, that's how Wales got their try but you know it was deep into the game and at, at a certain point sort of you're going to have gaps up here and, and things like that and I think it was just a really good convincing win that can hopefully carry Ireland further in uh, with momentum into the Six Nations and um, hopefully get them a, a, a win in the tournament which uh, I would expect from a, a team like this you know I don't think that there's too much competition at least from the British Isles I think you know, the only competitors for me for Ireland are France, I would say uh Scotland, but I think that they're I don't think that they can match up the Ireland, especially with the way that they've played this week. So I think you'll see maybe in the next game you'll see just how strong Ireland are and if they do have what it takes to take the full tournament after a performance like that. I think it's really important to note as well how poor Wales actually were in that first half. The amount of penalties they give away was pretty unseen in a Six Nations game for them. Um, you know, it means a lot to them to play at home at the Principality and um, Ireland were just completely dominant. It just silenced the crowd really and um, I think Warren Gatland in his first game back will be really, really disappointed with how a lot of his players played. Um, their discipline was shocking, much like Ulster a few weeks ago. And yeah, I think they, they have a lot of improving to do if they're going to be challenging for the title or come anywhere close to that really. Especially with how Scotland played. It looks like Scotland are on the up with another win over England. Um, and yeah, we've I think we've some tough fixtures coming up, obviously, but for me, I think Ireland have it in them to go and do the Grand Slam to win all all five games, and with the players they have available, 
and players coming back, the likes of Tag Furlong and Gibson Park and stuff, players that would be seen as starters, I think Ireland can definitely beat every team in that Six Nations because we saw that France didn't have a great game against Italy at the weekend either. So if they can just keep doing what they've done on Saturday, I think they'll be by far favourites to, w- to go and win the tournament and a lot of people um, be backing them to go and get the Grand Slam. In the next game of the Six Nations, we saw Scotland beat England at Twickenham, finished 29-23 to Scotland. Um, Jamie, what was your thoughts on this one? Well, that's three in a row for Scotland now. Really showing how much they've improved and the class that they have. You know, I don't know what's going up with England at the minute. I know, you know, new coach and things like that, but they at times they were just falling apart. They brought it back in the start of the second half, but Scotland just completely dominating the vast majority of that game. And then, of course, Van der Merwe's try, taking on the whole pitch and running through. Um, really should have been tackled like uh, a couple of times. And um, that's sort of what my point is with England. There's just that wee bit missing. Um, and it was a couple of times, you know, uh, a few missed tackles. And actually a lot of missed tackles that ended up costing them uh, the game. Basically, you know, there was only a try in it, and uh, they're really struggling. And with some of the videos I've seen from fans from England, they do not look happy at the minute. So, what do you think about this historic game at Twickenham? I have to say, it did bring me a good bit of joy to see Scotland retain the Kolkata Cup. And, like you say, that's the main talking point. Duhan van der Merwe, what a player, and... Like you say, he definitely should have been tackled a couple of times, but it does not take away for how good of a try that was. It was magic. Some of some of his footwork towards the line at high speed was absolutely superb. Um, a good to see him get another try as well. He definitely deserved it. And yes, England just weren't good enough at all. Scotland, although they were behind and they do have defensive issues, there's no doubt about that. They have plenty to work on during the week going into round two however um, I think they'll be really happy with their performance um, it's a big motivational boost to go away to Twickenham and get a win it's not an easy place to go even when an England team isn't on form and it's definitely going to help Ireland being able to play both England and France at home this year so for me I think Scotland are definitely going to be a threat to any team this year I think they're going to be a bit of a tripping stone one that you could easily lose if you're not on top of your game so I think keep an eye on them I think I think they're going to show a good bit of magic this year and you know we might even see a bit of John Cooney come the end of the Six Nations so um, yeah really really impressed with Scotland and plenty to work on from England they'll I guess they'll just be happy they've managed to get a losing bonus point out of the game but um I think the coaches will be very unhappy and they'll have plenty to work on because they'll have expected, you know, they'll have thought they had a stronger team on paper than Scotland. So that, And especially being at home, they'll have expected to go out and win that game. So, um, yeah, I think 
plenty to work on for them. And finally, in the Six Nations round one, we had Italy against France, in which France came out 29 points to 24 winners in Italy. Um, for me, I think it was very unconvincing from France, um, pretty unexpectedly, to be honest, with the strength of the team they had out. Um, they did get some very nice tries. Um, went to, went ahead early on and put in Italy under a lot of pressure, but they did allow Italy right back into the game, give away too many penalties, give away a penalty try, got themselves a yellow card, and they really give Italy an opportunity to get themselves back into the game. And right at the end there, Italy were right in it. All they needed was a try to go ahead and win the game. Um, that shanked kick from Tommaso Allen, I think it was, um, probably didn't help them too much. Um, and France, you know, showed the strength of their maul late on. However, I think they'll be really disappointed with their performance, even with a win. Um, you know, they'll have expected to go out there and get a bonus point and... You know, they'll be disappointed that they were unable to do that with the quality of the players they had on the pitch. What did you think, Jimmy? Did you enjoy the game? Yeah, it, it was a good game. I do agree with you. I think France would be disappointed uh, with how close Italy got to them. You know, so many penalties given away, and that's why Italy stayed in it. Uh, they only actually had two tries. It was, it was either two or three tries. Um, and it was all from faults from France really there wasn't good play from Italy especially in the first half a lot of drop balls and going back and uh, they did come to life in the second half and that's whenever they went but even France's physical play which is really strong normally just wasn't really there there were a few big tackles and things like that that sort of stunted Italy but you know their malls weren't there and uh, I think that's something that they will reflect on they'll probably come back stronger in the second round because of it that'll do us for this episode of the podcast um, Ulster don't have a game next week so we're just going to we'll take a wee break on that and then we'll come back the week after that's whenever Ulster plays. Um, we'll do another wee rundown of the Six Nation games in that, um, similar to this. So, thank you for listening. Uh, once again, you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Amazon Music for listening to the podcast. We are also on Instagram and just set up the TikTok as well as Twitch. So go and give us a follow over on them and get involved in in the podcast. You know, that's why we started this. We want to have the conversation with the fans and get everyone involved. So once again, thank you very much for listening and we will see you in two weeks time.